Hi, I'm Georgia Graham, and I'm a writer, editor, and pretty much retired model. This is Threads of Conversation, a show where I talk to creative people about their life and career via eight pieces from their wardrobe. Today, my guest is Alva Claire McKenzie, one of the modelling industry's most exciting names. A regular in Rihanna's Savage Fenty shows, Alva grabbed the industry's attention in October 2020 when she slinked down the Versace runway alongside Precious Lee and Jill Courtlev, blasting the size zero trend and ushering in a new era of size inclusivity in fashion. Since then, Alva's become a regular on the runway and in the pages of magazines including ID and Vogue. During lockdown, she even designed her own capsule collection with Danish brand Opera Sport. Alongside this, Alva has some of the sickest off-duty style I've seen, and I'm very excited to talk to her about it today. Alva, welcome to the show. Hi, Georgia. <laughs> that was quite a long <laughs> intro. Right, let's start with your first piece. So this is the piece that reminds you of your childhood. Can you describe it for us in detail, please? So it's a bluey-green coat with a hood, almost like a little red riding hood coat, but bluey-green. Um, and... It was really soft, I remember this, and my parents would always buy clothes, like, super big for me and my brother, so Mm -hmm. we would grow into them. So I'd had this coat for years, and I remember it, and there's a picture of me in Brockwell Park that my dad took, and I'm just swamped by this, like, huge blue-green coat, but I remember it kind of going over my hands, and, like, at the floor and then as I got a bit older I guess it was just like got smaller and (laughs) this tiny little child inside a tent (laughs) yeah exactly that did you have like a strong like sense of style when you were younger were you aware of what people around you were wearing um did your parents have good style yeah um I think my parents are kind of like hippies they had looking back all the stuff they wore was like really really fucking cool but like when you're young you don't like see it that way everything is embarrassing my mom would have like dark round sunglasses and like kind of oversized blazers what were you like as a child describe your personality were you chatty were you confident were you quiet were you studious what's little alva (laughs) give her a picture um i think i was quite shy Mm -hmm. i think but then like most kids that are shy i think they're not at home at all Mm -hmm. no I, i i was quite in my own world, I think. Mm-hmm. I would draw in the garden and just, like, do quiet things. And I like to play by myself, which annoyed my brother so much. I'd, like, do these setups around the house. It would be, like, a roll of toilet paper as a tunnel. And then there would be, like... <laughs> just, like, I would use shoe boxes, And I never had a doll's house, but I would always kind of create these little worlds, like, around the house in different places. Yeah. And um, that was my, like, place to go. So I was a bit of a dreamy kid, I think. In terms of your relationship with fashion, did you know anyone when you were younger or when you were a teenager like who worked in fashion, who did modelling? Like, Did you have a connection to the industry? No, I didn't. Um, my parents were kind of in the art world and like, I, we, we never, I didn't have a connection with anyone in fashion personally, um, but it was like I could see it. She's not a Nepo baby, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We do not have a Nepo <laughs> baby on our hands. <laughs> but I remember being so, I think magazines... It was always, that was what I saved up my pocket money. I think my dad used to give me like five pounds to clean the car. Mm. But when I tell you clean the car, it was with a toothbrush in the wheels. Like it was like inside the car, everything, five pounds. And it was like a lot of money and I'd save that. And it was magazines that I would be drawn to. And that that was my introduction to fashion, I would say. It's just kind of like... Mm. 
and I would treasure them and like leaf through them and cut them up and do collages and that was my interest I always knew that I was interested in fashion and I think especially as I became a teenager it was like I just knew that that was the world I wanted to work in mm. but I think when I was quite young I wanted to be a journalist which mm. is fun for a dyslexic person <laughs> but yeah well that kind of leads us on to your second piece which is the piece that reminds you of your career this one made me laugh a lot because um I can definitely relate to this from my experience modeling you have chosen a nude Calvin Klein thong and you put <laughs> my uniform um can you explain to the listeners uh why the nude thong is the piece that reminds you of your career <laughs> I think because I have this like special relationship with my nude underwear. They have their own drawer, their own section. Yeah. It's what I wear to work and then I transform into all these different characters. And it's just whenever I'm it doesn't matter what job I'm doing anywhere in the world, it's me and this thong yeah, together totally. forever, it, always. <laughs> it's uh yeah, the one true love of models everywhere. Yeah. It's uh, so when you're modeling, your agent um, basically, you know, there'll sometimes be requirements for what to bring or, you know, how to come prepared for a shoot. But most of the time, you just turn up like with your nude thong. And yeah. that's the sort of because obviously you need to wear nude underwear depending on what the clothes are. Um, I always had this joke when I started modeling, I was living in Australia. Uh, I lived with friends and I'd always say to them, the more we had this big washing line out the back in the backyard. And I'd always say the more pairs of nude underwear that were hanging on the washing line, the better my career is going. So like every day I'd pray and hang up the washing line, like, yes, it's been a good week, like four shoots. Yes, let's go. Um, but yeah, so I definitely, when you sent that through to me, that made me laugh a lot because I had it brought back a lot of memories. Yeah. And it's strange to have like a piece of underwear remind you of work, but yeah, exactly. it does. And I think maybe because it's the constant, everything else, you know, I never really truly know what's going to happen yeah or where what I'm going to be wearing and it's I love diving into the unknown but like it's, it's just so funny just arriving with your thong and being like let's get the yeah day. exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah, the thong are here we're ready to go what yeah. have you got for me us yeah. even <laughs> um so yeah let's take you back to the beginning so uh I kind of love the fact that People are like, oh, new model, Alva Claire. Like, I'm sure you have this as well. But you've actually been in the game for a while. So can you tell the audience members who, unlike me, haven't delved through every single interview <laughs> you've ever done, how, uh, how you got into modelling, how it started? You know, give us a little brief history. Yeah, I think I, I have to, I, even though I tell the story so often, it's, I wish it was a bit more straightforward. I mean, maybe I don't. It's, it's more just that, like, it's got lots of, like, twists and turns, so try and get it into like a I feel like in an interview if someone says that they're like this is a story I've told a lot this is a question I get asked a lot I always think damn it I've no, asked a boring no. question <laughs> no it's definitely not this is just for like... context the next question will be very esoteric <laughs> <laughs> so we I, my parents had a family friend who's a photographer and I did like a really cheesy little tiny shoot when I was like 12 and that was my first time in front of the camera um and I wrote the invoice myself. I still have it. I got paid one million pounds, twelve pounds, and they like had my little bank account, and it was. And I didn't really think much of it. Um, and then I worked in retail from like my teenage years, like on Oxford Street. And you know, I would while I was working, different people would come in, and I would get scouted just in and around London quite often. 
Um, but nothing ever really came of it. And it was kind of strange because it was like people were kind of mentioning to me, like 14, 15, like, oh, you, you know, you should model, you should model. And I just, my parents never encouraged that. And I just, I was going to the London College of Fashion to study, well, I did my foundation course there. And I just wasn't seeing modeling as something that was realistic. Um, but then there was a, show in London I think it was the Mark Farr show in like 2012 such an amazing show yeah there was I think two or three plus size models went down the runway and it was like a big deal at the time um and I'd kind of been interested in different like Crystal Wren I'd seen different models of different shapes like doing different things and um I was aware of that uh, and so then there was an agency. I, I bought Look magazine. Mm. I used to buy that weekly magazine. <laughs> and there was a story on one of those models. And at the bottom, there was an agency. And at this point, I had different agencies interested. But this one was specifically for plus size models, um, curve models, models, whatever. I mean, we can get to that. But <laughs> yeah, 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 I was going to say. <laughs> and um, I emailed them and then I got signed and that was kind of the beginning. So I, I guess I was signed when I was like 17, 18, 18. Yeah. Um, but I was doing other things. I never saw it as there was just no work. Um, I would work with ASOS. I think every, they were like the only people that booked me and mm. it was just like, Oh, this is something I do every now and again. And I wasn't sure. I never imagined it would be something I would take full time or it would be my career. Um, so I, yeah, I continued on with my, well, yeah, LCF. And then I was working, assisting a couple of different stylists. And then I did some internships and I became a personal shopper um, at Topshop. And then... Oh, they were always the coolest. It was, a, it was a weird time of my life. I think that in the beginning it was kind of like such an unknown. Um, but then, yeah, very quickly I started to like, you know, when you get to a point you're not really sure you're just unhappy in what you're doing. Mm. Um, and I guess, again, will be one of our later questions, but I decided to go full-time at a certain point with modelling because I could see that things were changing. Um, I was especially noticing some of the girls in the States doing different things. And I was genuinely, I suppose, inspired and ready to just try something new. And it seemed scary and impossible. So I was like, maybe I should just, do it so then that's how I ended up going full-time but I did that when I was like 24 25 mm. which is as we know for model is quite old I guess mm. I mean normally people are retiring at 24, yeah, well, that's why 25. I always joke I say like pretty much retired because I think I stopped when I was 25 and that's it exactly. that's um, I always sort of say in a mock ph- philosophical way oh well I've already retired from one career <laughs> um but can you tell because I feel like I mean correct me if I'm wrong but the the first Savage Fenty show you did, that was really, okay, Alva is here. Um, <laughs> how did that come about? Tell us a bit about that experience. Um, well, when Savage first came about, I yeah, I wasn't part of it right at the beginning. Um, and I remember feeling quite a strong connection to what was going on with Savage and thinking like, okay, I would love to be a part of this. I just had this feeling of like, oh, I really think I would be great like this is exciting and um so when yeah there was different attempts I had and I I didn't get booked and then the live show happened at the Barclay Centre in uh, Brooklyn and 
it was I had I was doing the looks for the show so I suppose for the listeners like um, for a show they might have a model that does like all of the looks for everybody um, and so it was me um, and the stylist and some people from the team just like working till like three in the morning just like going delirious and like having just it was you know when you get to that point where you're working at like two in the morning putting on clothes and you're just like laughing and having a good time um, and I was on option to do the show but I wasn't sure at that point um, and then right before yeah I was confirmed for the show and yeah I was terrified <laughs> yeah it's one of those funny things um for context your agent will often say oh well, you're going to be doing the looks which means you try on all of the different pieces and make sure everything the stylist works with you so they don't have to get every model individually um and usually the carrot is they'll tell you that you're going to get booked for the show but you actually don't know if you're going to so you're sort of there on your best behavior hoping that they'll decide to put you in the show but you're never quite sure um yeah how did it feel to do that first show what was the it was it was my first new york fashion week show and I remember people kind of like laughing with me being like, well, it's not normally like this because it was when I, I remember walking out, well, going to see the venue and obviously well, the Barclay Centre is like, I suppose, similar to like the O2 or something. <laughs> just a small, low key show to start. Yeah. You know? So I just like remember walking out and like my legs felt a bit like jelly when I looked out at the the set and I was like whoa this is <laughs> yeah um it was an amazing experience it was hectic but like so exciting and there was lots of different performances and we had several rehearsals um and there was dancers and I really love working with the dancers because they are like the true stars of the show um and I I suppose the strangest thing I remember is just when I was going out there's like this moment of calm where you feel just like well it's gonna well for me I'm like it's gonna be what it's gonna be let's just go out I was very nervous um and my dancers actually that were going with me were running from a different set Mm -hmm. so we were like counting down and they weren't with me and I was like I'm gonna have to go up by myself I was like oh and then I went out and it was just a huge crowd and so many lights and obviously the music and everything but I remember I saw nothing everything like you know almost like in a film where like the sound you almost lose your hearing and lose your sight I could see nothing and hear nothing and then it all just kind of came back again yeah um like a whoosh and it was over in a flash um but after that moment it it was pretty life-changing for me because I think I wouldn't say like I was saying when I was a kid I wasn't like on the stage that you know or like it was unusual behavior for me (laughs) yeah um do you still get nervous before shows now I mean you're walking so many shows at fashion week and things do you ever feel nervous I think that what I found interesting is the last season that I did I did the most amount of shows I've done and the more shows you do the less nervous you become like anything else in life and for curve models I notice there's just not that many opportunities on the runway for girls so often it's like once or twice in a season and then it's like very scary so to begin with I would suffer from nerves quite a lot but then something about being nervous makes you feel I mean you've got that adrenaline you feel very alive so it's exciting because the nerves never stopped me from getting out there but yeah I used to feel very nervous and now I think I've I don't know if I've trained myself but I really 
I get nervous, but I enjoy it. And I see the nerves as kind of like an excitement and adrenaline. Um, but it's like an obstacle course. And I've started to think of it like when you play computer games or something and there's each listen to me I sound so old computer games we, you know what I'm I mean I'm the same I, had a, I have a question on my list that's like <laughs> um, you know how did you feel when Instagram first came around when you were modelling because it kind of started we remember when, when I know honestly it's this thing and I see now um, I don't want I'm going to come back to your computer game yeah. uh, anecdote but yeah it's this thing of I see contemporaries of mine that are still modelling or friends of mine that model and you know there's this practice of having to say thanks on Instagram which is really nice but it's just so funny because and now they put followers on you know when they're doing casting Mm. it'll be like Alva x amount of followers Georgia x amount of followers and um yeah they never did that but then yeah I would go to castings in Paris without even any internet on my phone no Google anyway that's honestly here we are talking about the early days of modeling Um, (laughs) back in my day and you tell me about the computer game just that it's like how you make sense of a situation and me and my brother would play on like the old old computer with like the keyboard and I would use the three oh yeah one of you gets one arrow set and the other one has to do like F D J. so I would get the the easier one and um it would it's that thing of getting to like each level presents a new challenge or a new boss of that level and I think it's very much like that knowing that like the choreography or the 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 venue I mean last season I had to walk through water that was a first and I feel like that's very America's Next Model. They'd be like, this is modelling. And they're in a fireball walking across water with like the thinnest runway ever. And Tara's like, that's just modelling. And then I started modelling and I was like, I don't think that is modelling. No. But it sounds like it was for you. But just just that like different kind of obstacles come about and you never know. And it's almost like for me, a big turning point was getting comfortable with like not knowing what to expect. And that's like my whole life. So, yeah, it's all been about, like, twisting my perspectives. But, yeah, I think of it like a computer game. I'm like, which boss is going to be here today? And, like, is it the boss that means don't bump into another girl? Or is it the... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so true. And also trying to keep all your little green bars of energy levels up and make yeah. sure that you've got all the different bars yes. on full green. Yeah. Um, let's move on to your next piece. So this is the piece that reminds you of a high. And I love the little blurb that you wrote about this. So you've written wine coloured tutu, probably from beyond retro. I was 19 at London College of Fashion doing my foundation. I fell in love for the first time and came into myself. I would pull it up and wear it as a short jellyfish dress with ripped tights and wedge shearling knee high boots. It reminds me of a high because I came into myself and I wore whatever made me feel good. So what a story. Can you tell us a little bit about <laughs> this version of Alva? Cause she sound, I mean, you're amazing now. <laughs> she sounds like a real vibe I I think yeah like I was saying before it's like I started when I was at school I was quite yeah I got my my dad cut my hair into a big afro which I loved when I started year 7 I would only wear like trousers at school and then I wore my school skirt on the weekends with like badges and I was just I had this like kooky thing going on and then I kind of just completely found like I just wanted to listen to myself and what I wanted to wear and I became like enamored with vintage but it was yeah <laughs> I had a thing for tutus okay I had I had a big thing for tutus. I feel like we it's okay we're the same age we were all in that phase it was American apparel was really yeah, big yeah. beyond retro was definitely yeah. it was absolute zenith of um yeah and it was I think dms were a really big yeah, thing all, customizing you know. your own plimsolls yeah. you know yeah um 
Yeah, it was something I really liked when you sent through your select. I realised that hardly uh, any of your pieces are from brands. Most of them are like <laughs> vintage or something. Or like found on the street. <laughs> no, I love that. So. I'm like, it's not very chic, but I... I had this, this, yeah, it was a wine coloured, like soft tutu. And I, beyond retro, you just like hang them on the ceiling. And it was like, it looked like jellyfishes. And I think I actually did like a photography project on that in A levels or something. I'm sure I did. Um, <laughs> but it was, I just loved this tutu so much. And I liked making a statement. And it was just like ripped tights, which I feel like I'm still kind of reverting back to dressing like this, but pulling it up. So it was like super, super short, but it had all of this volume ripped tights and then these really horrendous wedge knee-high brown leather boots. (laughs) And I would wear it with a holy top. And then I did hair modeling for Fidel Sassoon. They cut my afro into a square and then I had like blue bits coming. And I just felt so free and like I would get up and feel good and mm. of course on the tube or wherever on my way to work I'd be like why is everyone like staring at me and I, what, what this is so normal to me mm. and um yeah I think that at that time it, it's a high for me because I found a way it was like I was growing into myself and I was figuring out my own style but I also wasn't afraid and I I felt good dressing the way I did and I just did it and I look back and I think yeah that's kind of cool because I had my own thing going on and it wasn't I didn't notice the trends at the time it was just like I want to wear tutus every day Mm. um yeah (laughs) I know I feel like um that finding your style and wearing things that feel really synonymous with who you are or how you want to feel it's a kind of similar feeling to I don't mean to get too sort of cheesy but being in love and being loved because you feel really secure you feel really empowered sort of you feel the most like yourself and you yeah. feel sort of full of confidence yeah um something about being I suppose it's like around that age at 19 you're just like discovering so many different things not just about yourself but about the world and like it was like a big period of change for me mm. and uh yeah the, finding that sweet spot where you're like this is what makes me feel good and like it's never left me to this day where like getting at that age is when I really discovered that it's like a power just when everything feels right in the world and I can face the day when I'm I'm wearing something that feels like me and I never know what that's going to be until I wake up which mm. is also annoying and causes lateness but like whatever I'm the same um I always try and think of the outfit in the shower because I know that if I haven't thought of it by the time I haven't envisaged it then yeah but if I start to get I'll be lost and then I'll be late and, and you trash of, the room I try like I, I might I may have like the tidiest space and then I will trash it in about 10 minutes just to find one specific top that's like hiding in the back of my wardrobe caught between the back of the door or something yeah totally <laughs> no I have exactly the same thing um I wanted to ask so sort of based on what you were just saying um I sort of feel the same where I can I can tell how I'm feeling based on the clothes or the type of aesthetic that I gravitate towards or what I instinctively choose to put on and almost sometimes I feel like my clothes know they're a they know more about how I'm feeling than I do even sometimes so I'll put something like oh I'm probably feeling more in that mood so but those little tells often only you know what they are so Mm -hmm. can you give us a little insight into the different tells in your wardrobe essentially so I love that phrase yeah if you're tells. if you're wearing x type of thing or x aesthetic or this item that's usually when I'm feeling like this or when I'm in I this see. situation you know what I mean yeah I know what you mean um like oversized clothing it's like 
often say if I have like a lingerie job or something, it I feel kind of almost like protected when I just I'll have like super baggy jeans and then like a huge t-shirt and it, and then I'll feel quite you know mask almost my hair back and then and then other times it's like I'm a bit more almost it's like a flirty fun like <laughs> flirty and fun wow I sound like the sun newspaper <laughs> I think I do get inspiration from like old pieces or stuff that I haven't worn in years and then I'm like oh wow this is amazing like let me just pull this out and see what I can do with it. Well, one piece that you will not be pulling out and re-wearing is the piece that you've chosen that reminds you of a low. So this one, you said it literally fell apart at the seams. Can you remember what you've chosen for this? Yes, I can. Um, I think it was a Topshop, like, long line blazer. Like, I remember wearing this particular blazer. It was, like, the worst kind of fabric. It was almost um, so synthetic and, like, uh, had, like, a kind of... There was a texture to it. It was, hor- it was horrible. I know, exactly. It's like the polyester and then yes. it gets a bit pilled. Yeah. And it oh. looks so cheap and so nasty yeah. and it's cloying. And it was it's horrible. Th- oh. yeah. And I, rem- I, I remember it. It's like, I like jackets that are oversized. I love like a strong shoulder. I remember it was like quite fitted and I was like, oh. And I wore it a lot and I was feeling so, I just wasn't happy where I was in my life and I knew I needed to change something, if not everything. And... I get this feeling, I've had it before, and I now know that I have to listen to it, but it's something, a voice, a thing that just gets louder and louder, like, you have to stop everything, you've got to change something right now, because, and I just got myself into a low place, and, but I think I said in my notes as well that, like, the lows are the highs, essentially, because when you get to that place, you're finding where you're, where you're going to go, and... So as much as I hate that blazer that fell apart and was, it represented me making a huge life change. Mm. Um, so maybe, yeah, hating everything made me want to drive for something else. So. Um, and this was, was this just before you moved to New York properly? Mm-hmm. So can you tell us how old were you? Um, what kind of thing were you doing? You know, what was the why why did you choose New York I mean you have dual citizenship but you could have gone to LA you know so I when I went so I quit my job that I was doing um and I was like it's kind of now or never like let me just see what I can do and is this industry like ready for something different like let's see um and of course it didn't work (laughs) which I think is like quite important to remember when you like try something that it may not work at first and it's like how bad how bad do you want it but also which routes are you going to take and like it presented a challenge so yeah I was like living at home um and all my friends were kind of getting promotions in the jobs and moving forward with everything and I'd quit everything to become a model full-time and I was like working in this like local candle shop to like get cash in hand money and I was like wow I'm I've slipped to being like 14 again um and I had managed to get signed in New York and at that time I was just not able to be booked in London it just there was nothing going on and I booked a big job in New York and I started to go and stay there and stay out for months at a time and I realized I was like I think I just need to make a and obviously 
so lucky to have the dual citizenship. I was like, I think I should just do this. I should just move because I'm working over there, but I'm not working in London, so let's just do it. So I suppose I was like 25, 26, and I just like, yeah, I made the decision quite quickly. Mm. And uh, yeah, it didn't get easy after that, but it was, yeah, I was so proud of myself because it was a bit out of character to just like up sticks because I grew up in London, South East London. So like I am a Londoner and to leave it, it changed my perspective on so many things. And I think everyone should try and leave (laughs) every now and (laughs) not leave London, but like it was going to an unknown place. I don't mean to keep being like, and this, I really related to this. (laughs) Um, I was studying in Sydney and I was on a student visa and my um, studies were coming to the e- to an end. I'd like had a big breakup. Like everything, it was exactly that thing of I'd had to yeah move out of my place with my partner and move back in with like a family friend. And it sort of felt like everything. And I basically had two routes. I either could move to New York, where I knew one person, and from Sydney, where it was like forty degree summer, I had loads of friends, a career was going quite well, or I could move back to London and I moved to New York and. It's very, um, I was about to say, it's very difficult to articulate that feeling of moving to New York, but please, can you try and do it for us? Like, <laughs> um, tell us a bit about those first um, those first uh, few months, because I guess that, that kind of brings us on to your next piece, which is um, the piece that reminds you of a high, and um, that is the black lace-up boots. So you've put here, I moved to New York, and I didn't really know anyone. It was pretty bold for me to jump into the unknown, Um and you said you were going out, finding your people. You know, can you tell us a bit about this phase? Yeah, I remember it was not knowing anyone and kind of meeting people, like no two days are the same at my job, which is what I love. So you can meet people, you know, you never know who you're going to run into or who you're going to make friends with. And I, I remember it was that thing of someone being like, oh, we should do this, we should hang out. And I'd be like literally following through like okay yeah. so when do you want to hang out the most committed new <laughs> yeah. friend and like it was I was saying yes I was enjoying myself I was just meeting new people people that had grown up in a completely different way to me but then you find this amazing like common ground and I love boots boots over trainers any day like mm-hmm. always boots I would be wearing like a t-shirt and then to grab these boots it was always that I don't know how I was doing it but like going out dancing and then getting up going to going to set like it was a real moment I just remember just like trudging on the sub- subway in these like lace-up knee-high boots and having so much fun tell us about like let's have a little recall in terms of the kind of parties what is for Alva, a good party. What's the music? What's the vibe? What's what do they say? What's your drink of choice? <laughs> What's your drink of choice? <laughs> yeah, so my perfect party is like old music, new music, like eclectic mix of stuff. Like anyone knows I love disco. I'm like quite a yeah, I like things to be like not too serious. Mm-hmm. And I love to like dance and I was like, gonna say you're a dancer, do you dance? Well like I just love to be silly. And moving to New York has made me friendlier, for sure. <laughs> no, it's uh, what you were saying. I really loved living in New York because it was that... I think when you take yourself out of a context where you have history, particularly like childhood history or something, firstly, you become really audacious when it comes to making new friends. You have that that sort of newbie card. So you mm-hmm. can ask anyone for a coffee, try and make friends with them without being like, oh, you're a bit of a loser. Like, do you not really have friends <laughs> kind of thing? But also you... You connect with people um, 
over how can I express this like you connect with people over things you have in common but that aren't to do with like where you're from or your history or where you went to school or where you lived and it creates those kind of relationships can be really beautiful in their own way but it creates a different kind of friendship Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something that yeah I really liked in New York and I found also with modeling is that shared experience but people being from totally different places I really I love that's it that's exactly how I feel about it too and um I briefly mentioned in the intro you designed a capsule collection for opera sport. You studied at London College of Fashion. Um, you can tell from your style, like you're obviously a really creative person. You have creative parents. Uh, is there another project that you're working on? Is there something that you'd really love to do? Do you have a secret hobby? There are things that I'm working on and there are things that I'm interested in to develop more mm-hmm. am I going to tell them to you probably not but <laughs> I was so ready think... for a scoop <laughs> um, a mint chocolate chip scoop yes. my favourite <laughs> I know I wish that's when I kind of wish the podcast could be a video because Alva has a very cheeky grin right now which implies <laughs> there are very exciting things coming um, <laughs> let's move on to the next piece so that this is the piece that made you feel a part of something so can you tell us what you've chosen for this one Yeah, I have chosen this black Savage Fenty slip and it's quite short. It has like a lace trim. I love short. I'm I'm a big like mini, mini person. I love like mini, like if I'm always forever cutting my skirt short. (laughs) My mum always laughs. She's like, you're still doing that. (laughs) Yeah. For me, I'm always wearing it layered over like jeans or wearing it on a night out with like fishnets or something and doing the show at the Barclays Centre I felt this overwhelming sense that I was part of something really big and I was working with these people to kind of really shift and change things and that is what kind of drives me forward is creating imagery and doing things that people haven't seen before with somebody like me and in fashion you've that feeling that things have all been done before but when I speak to some of my friends we're like, oh, wait, no, this is the first time this has happened or the first time they've used somebody like me before. So it does represent for me being part of something. And also it's just another one of those pieces I can't like put down. I'm just like constantly wearing it. <laughs> no, I mean, that's another question I want to ask is um, you've been an incredible figurehead for size inclusivity in fashion. Um, how do you feel about that? I mean, we sort of touched on it before where it's like, why should we call people like plus size model, a curve mm. model? Do you feel a responsibility to sort of, I don't know, take that mantle? Or do you feel like you wish people would just sort of stop talking? It feels really reductive. Um, if you feel comfortable, would you talk a bit about your relationship with? Yeah. Of, yeah. I think it's interesting when I think about my body out in the world, like my day to day, I'm just like on the tube and no one's like, it's just like you look all around and, no one's shocked or saying anything it's just me and then in the fashion space it's it's my body represents something different um I think I'm quite tired of talking about my body all the time Mm. the body of work on the other hand I think that I'm a model I understand why people use the term different terminologies to like describe what kind of model you know it, it can you know this from I understand why people say curve model or plus size model and everyone's got a different idea of how they would like to be referred to. But for me, I just feel like I'm Alva, I'm a model and that's that's what it is. And I don't think, it, I, I don't spend hours thinking about 
when I'm going on set thinking about my body and thinking about what I, it's important that I focus on creating interesting imagery mm. and imagery that hasn't been done before with somebody like me but I'm not sitting there thinking about my body I'm thinking about what we're creating so I think for me yeah I would like the conversation to be about and people were hungry for me to say things about it mm. when really it's like I feel really good in myself and I just want to cre- keep creating and I don't it's not what I'm thinking about really mm. and I, I think that I don't know how you feel but it's just the constant discussion over like bodies and people are so comfortable just addressing people's bodies in this industry and stuff and I, I don't really get it yeah it's very um it can definitely be a bit of it's a very cynical way to describe it, but a bit of a meat market sometimes yeah. people talking about the different like cuts and this yeah. and that and it's sort of it's very dehumanizing anyway i didn't mean to make you sort of go into it no in like not a, at all i just think it's i think i think it's important like i understand I, I i've been thinking about it a lot recently just because i've done some other interviews where i just like, i don't want to talk about my body anymore it's almost like the justification of like why i'm here so people being like how how do you feel in your... And it's like, I feel great. I feel fine. And I understand the conversation, but I think just my presence is a not... Like me being... Doing the work that I'm doing, working with Vogue or do, walking a runway show, that in itself is creating the change. It's it's showing people that I'm there and I'm doing it. I, I'm enjoying kind of being more quiet and just creating the work. I think when you look at any kind of art, anything, it's how does it make you feel? And it can, whether you're watching a film or you're listening to a piece of music, you can approach your day differently after that. There's a reaction, there's something that happens. So if I can be part of something that makes people feel differently about themselves or about their whole, or just like the way they have been approaching the attitude towards themselves all this time, or even what people think lingerie is, or who wears lingerie. Everybody wears some kind of lingerie. Go back <laughs> no. to the new thong again. <laughs> no, it's so it's true. The tune, but it, you know what I mean. <laughs> it's like that sense of I don't know. Yeah, exactly. As you say, reading a good book, listening to it, it's that thing. It's when a creative work or a body of work, as you referred to it, it gives you that sense of expansion. You feel like you could step beyond the boundaries of your everyday or how you feel in that moment you could try something new you feel almost sort of it's a very pretentious way to describe it, but like elevated to a higher plane yeah. thinking of imagining you feel at once sort of beyond yourself but also even more innately like within yourself and I think certainly that when I first watched one of the Fenty shows I got that sense of I don't know you it's it's like when you watch a really good film with an incredibly charismatic protagonist and you turn it off and you kind of go to the loo in the cinema and you feel like maybe like you're the character yeah. and you're a bit like moody yeah. and you're thinking deeply and you're sort of <laughs> just feeling really i don't know but um it's exactly that it's, uh, it's yeah it's a it's a feeling and it's kind of infectious i think fashion becoming broader not just in the sense of like size inclusivity but also you know what women can wear what men can wear what non-binary people can wear how people can express themselves who can wear makeup who can wear lingerie yeah. it it just gives people a much greater breadth of freedom to use fashion and style as a means of self-expression and feel more comfortable yeah. in themselves and i just think that's amazing that is how we can create a safer better industry that can include 
everyone rather than it being because I remember what it was like um but yeah it does sound corny so it is hard to talk about it without mm. being like everybody should just like love them because I don't think like the scene from Mean Girls and yeah. like do you even go here she's <laughs> like no I just have a lot of feelings <laughs> that's literally me in most scenarios do you People like go here <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite bits <laughs> iconic film moving on to your next piece um so we've got two pieces left this is the piece that makes you feel sexy um a pair of low-rise john galliano trousers i just feel so good in those trousers and i feel sexy and they are navy very long and i got it from one of my favorite vintage stores in new york and she pulled them out the back and i was like wow um, just when you put on a pair of good pants and they're like, you just, they just fit you perfectly. I love, I think I said like my, my belly, like I love how it looks in them. We love bellies, like soft bellies. It's a funny word, sexy, isn't it? Because it know, could be, some people feel sexy and like they're like torn t-shirt in bed or whatever. <laughs> what do you find sexy in others, both in terms of style, but also personality? I think in other people, I think a strong sense of style is always which is so again sounds kind of cliche but I just love it when you meet someone and you just know that whatever it is that they have on and it's not just the clothes they're wearing but like the way that they talk or the way that their hands move that is also your personal style um that and then also I think creative people that are just as open-minded as possible what about unsexy is there one particular item where you're like oh, i just i can't or a particular trend um but also personality traits you know i mean like so many things are unsexy like <laughs> i think when people are rude or like pretentious all of those things yeah hate right we're on to your last piece so this is the one that got away. So can you tell us what you've chosen for this category? So for this category, there isn't actually just like one piece. It's all of... Over the years, it's all the pieces I've found in vintage stores where I've either been like, oh, I'll just like get it at a different time, or when you fall in love with something and it's vintage and you let it go, it's like, it's like an obsession. It's like I can't stop thinking about it. Um, yeah, there's a couple pieces in LA, a couple of skirts that I didn't get, a beautiful McQueen one, I remember. And I just like kick myself every time I think of it. So it's, this is dedicated to all the vintage pieces <laughs> that I left behind. And if you see something and you put it on and it feels good, just like get it. If you have that feeling that like, you have to. I want to finish with a little quick fire. Yes. So what do you dream about? What do I dream about? So many different people in my life all in the same place. That's what I've been dreaming about at the moment. Um, Favourite food? I love a Jamaican breakfast. One thing you'd never do? Bungee jump. One thing that scares you? The future. One thing that empowers you? The future. <laughs> One prediction for the year ahead? I've been saying this, but silliness. I think we all need to be more silly and I think that I'm going to try and approach this year like that. <laughs>